We are so happy that you're with us tonight, and we are in a series uh, that we've called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. And uh, this is part three of uh, this series. And basically, the idea of this series is we're, we're talking about assurance and confidence of our salvation in Christ. What we believe is that faith alone in Jesus Christ will give you forgiveness of sins, access to the plans and purposes of God, abundant life here and now, and eternal life with God. That all you have to do to receive all that God has for you is believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again. It's as simple as that. And sometimes it seems too good to be true. Sometimes that seems too, uh, too simple to actually be uh, you know, like some things, news really is too good to be true. Like you hear things and you're like, what's the catch? Like where's the fine print? What else do I have to do? It's like all expenses paid, but really you have to like pay $10,000 to enter the contest. And then all your expenses are paid. Like it's all, there's always a catch. And so the gospel, there's no catch. It's faith in Jesus alone and all of these things are provided for us, but then sometimes we can feel distant from God. Sometimes we can feel like our salvation didn't take, or maybe it wasn't sincere, or maybe it wasn't authentic. And so we're talking about how to have confidence in our salvation. Now, we began week one, and we talked about what do you do after you say yes to Jesus. And we talked about how we're supposed to drown the old life, we're desired to be near Jesus, and then do what he says. So there's these steps that we take once we've placed faith in Jesus. And then last week, if you remember, we, we talked about what faith is and how we have faith to remain in him. We talked about what faith is. And what, what we broke it down as is it's come, believe, seek, and sit. And remember we built a chair? We're here last week. We, we, we together built a chair. It was pretty, pretty impressive. And the idea of sit is that it's not about what brought you to the moment of salvation, but it's about where you're seated now. And we don't look back to a night or an event or a moment where we said yes to Jesus. We look back further than that to the cross of Jesus Christ where he said it is finished. And as long as we continue to believe, as long as we continue to have faith, we can have confidence in our salvation. Tonight we're going to consider whether or not there's a wrong way to come to Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about, whether there's a wrong way to come to Jesus. I've titled this message, if you take notes, Why Are You a Christian? Why are you a Christian? Now, let me time out for just a moment and speak to those in the room that maybe aren't Christians. Maybe you wouldn't profess that. Maybe you would say you're something different. Um, what we're going to consider tonight is the roads that might lead somebody to a relationship with Jesus. And if you're not there yet, and if you don't believe what we believe, Amazing. We're just so happy that you're with us. And please, if you would, just give me a, a, a grace enough to listen through my talk. And if at the end you, you still have other thoughts and opinions, praise God. We're just happy that you're with us. But we're going to present to you really what leads somebody to relationship with God and uh, if there is a right way and if there is a wrong way. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 13. I'm going to read out of the NIV, Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 13. All the verses will be on the screen as well if you'd like to follow along that way. The verse says this, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. 
When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. That means he was frustrated. He was mad. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Let me read that again. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, uh, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, so the scene ends, he has this encounter with these kids, the kids are coming up to him, Jesus is hanging out with them, the kids wanted to be around Jesus, there was something about him that drew them to him, he was, he was talking with them, he's praying over them, and then the disciples are like, scram, right, they're like, we don't like you around here, you little kids, like you little snot-nosed brats, like get out of here, and Jesus is like, what are you doing, you don't understand, unless you come to me with the faith of a child, you have no, there's no room for you here. Now that scene ends, they get up, they begin to walk away, and it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him, and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So we read of two stories that happened. And and it's interesting, I've never noticed that these two stories are back-to-back in Scripture. And they're back-to-back both in Mark's gospel and in Matthew's gospel. So it's important to both writers that we see these stories unfolding together. Because you need to understand that in in your Bible, there might be a, a section break with a header, and there might be a verse, and things like that. That that wasn't original to the author. The author wrote it as one continuous story, and, and wanting us to see things pieced together. And so sometimes there's breaks in the middle where there really shouldn't be a break. And so we see these two stories. There's a story of Jesus with the children, and then with the story of Jesus with this rich young ruler. Two scenes encountering Jesus, and two responses to their encounter with Jesus. These kids come in faith, and the man comes in fear to let go. The kids come in faith, and the man comes in fear to let go. Both of which came from different backgrounds for different reasons. They came to Jesus for something, and they walked away with different outcomes. The children came. They wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to hang out. They had faith. And then this rich young ruler, as we're told, came. He was looking for something. He was seeking something. And we're told he went away sad. Now, there are a lot of things in life that bring people to Jesus. There are a lot of things in life that bring people to a point in their life where they are looking for something more. There's, there's something inside of them that caused them to go, 
there, there must be a God out there. There might be a God out there. There's something beyond what I'm experiencing now. And there are a lot of roads that will lead people to Jesus. What I want to do is I want to present to us a few different roads that lead people to Jesus and then what we do if we've been on that road. Does that make sense? A few different roads that lead people to Jesus and then the response we have when we arrive at him. Number one, one of the things or or two of the things that lead people to Jesus is success or failure. Success or failure. Success often brings people to Jesus. This is sort of the story uh, of the rich young ruler, right? We're told of this man who was rich, he had wealth, he had his youth, he was young, and he had power. He was a ruler. Like, I don't know, if if anybody was to give you, like, a title to describe you, that's a pretty good one. Like, you you know what's their name, the rich young ruler. You're like, that's a great description. I love that. It's not accurate, but I love it. Like, I'm feeling, I'm not rich. I'm feeling really old, like my knees hurt, my back hurts. I like, people were making fun of me today because I like was walking funny because my knee just keeps giving out, okay? So I'm getting old, and I've never ruled anything in my life. And so this description is pretty cool. Rich young ruler, this guy, he has everything. He has wealth, he has success, he has his youth, he has it all, and yet something was missing, right? This guy, he comes to Jesus and, and he, he runs after him, he bows down to him, and he says, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's saying, all the things that I have, all the things that I've experienced have amounted to still emptiness. And many people climb the ladder of success only to find nothing. It is the emptiness of everything. It is the emptiness of having it all. And how many stories have we read in the news or, 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 or on Instagram or whatever it is that says so-and-so who had it all took their own life. Or so-and-so had it all and they're in rehab again. So-and-so has this and yet they're miserable because it's the emptiness of everything. And oftentimes that emptiness will lead people to Jesus. Success will often lead people to Jesus. Not only success, but failure will lead people to Jesus too. Where where people come to the end of themselves in the sense of, of my life is miserable, I'm broken, I've got nothing, there has to be more to life than my struggle. And there's so many people that because of brokenness, because of pain, because of loss, because of circumstances, uh, whether it's their own personal failure or just failure as a result of the world that we live in, they come to a point where there has to be something else. Success will lead people to Jesus. Failure will lead people to Jesus. Not only that, number two, what leads people to Jesus is regret or religion. Regret or religion. Regret, what I mean by that is this remorse for sin will often drive people to Jesus. Have you ever felt the weight, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever felt the weight or the guilt of your own failures? Where you lay up at night and go, I can't believe I did that again. 
I can't believe I, I said that. I can't believe I acted like that. I can't believe I went there. And, and there's, the, there's the heaviness, there's the weight, there's the guilt of our own failure. And Jesus promises that he will take our burdens, he will take what weighs us down, and he will carry it for us, and he will exchange for us a lighter burden, a, a burden of purpose, a burden of, of peace, a burden of his plans for our life, and he will exchange it. And so oftentimes, people, because of their own shame and their own brokenness, will come to Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm just carrying the weight of my sin. But not only will regret lead people to Jesus, but religion will lead people to Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, what religion does is religion teaches us to try harder and to be better. That's what religion says. Now, let me tell you, if you're new to this space, what we are trying to do here is not religion. Many of you might, or some of you might be here and say, you're not religious. And I would say, me neither. I am not religious. I'm not here to try to outweigh my bad things by doing good things. I know that my good things will never outweigh my bad things. I'm not trying to be better on my own merit and my own strength. That's what religion says. And what religion does is shows you how messed up you are. What religion does when you are trying to achieve based upon your own ability to not do bad things and to do more good things, what you'll do is at the end of the day, you will look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm a failure yet again because my bad stuff still outweighs my good stuff. And what religion does so often is it gets people to the end of their selves where they realize I'm never going to measure up. Listen, you can't please a perfect God by being good. Right? The standard is not be good. The standard is not be kind. The standard is perfection. You can't please a perfect holy God by just being better than that guy. The, 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 the plan... The, the process of religion, what it does is it brings you to the end of yourself where you're looking for something more. And both shame of our sin and the disappointment of never being able to achieve through religion should drive us to the end of ourselves and look to Jesus. Both regret and religion leads us to the end of ourselves. And those are two things that will often lead people to Jesus. Number three, you guys still with me? Is this making sense? I just want us to be thinking through tonight some of the things, and maybe, maybe as we break these things down, you think that's what brought me to Jesus. Maybe you're like, do you know what? I felt like I had it all, and I felt nothing inside. Or maybe you're like, I, I've just, I wrecked my own life. I ruined it, and I needed something more. Or maybe you're here, and you've felt the shame, the heaviness of your sin. Or maybe you're here, and you're just like, I've tried my best, and it's never been good enough. As, as we go through, just consider these things in your own life, in your own reality, and see if, if it lines up and if those things have led you to Jesus. All right, number three, hell or heaven? Hell or heaven? Both of these things will lead people to Jesus. Something that brings a lot of people to Jesus is the fear of going to hell. I remember when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a Christian home. My, my parents loved Jesus. They raised us on the things of Jesus. And so I knew at least some level of the gospel message, that God loves us so much that he gave us Jesus so that we could have right standing with him. 
But when you're a kid, the thing that stands out to you is hell, isn't it? Like, it just sounds terrifying. And I remember, uh, I remember being a kid and being at my next-door neighbor's house. He had a trampoline in his front yard, which was way cooler than our trampoline in our backyard. You know what I mean? So we were hanging out at his house, and uh, we were on the trampoline, and we are bouncing, having the time of our lives. And then we got tired, chilling out on the trampoline. Now, wasn't it? it was, I don't know if you had trampolines as a kid, but, like, the best thing in the world was when you got tired and you just chilled out on the trampoline. It was like, I don't know what it was. It just, it's like, this is, this is, what, this is why it was created. Um, so anyways, we're chilling out on the trampoline. And I remember just like I was a kid, maybe eight, nine years old. We're talking to our next door neighbor. And somehow we, we ask him if he goes to church or if he's a Christian. And he'd never heard the gospel story before. And I remember being a kid and being like, dude, you don't want to go to hell, do you? <laughs> and he's like, what's that? I'm like, bro, it's hot. It's not cool. You don't want to go there. And he's like, no, I don't want to go there. What do I do? Well, you need to talk to Jesus about it. And he's like, all right, let's talk to Jesus about it. And I remember like as a kid thinking like that, but can I tell you that so often people will come to Jesus because of the fear of hell. I don't want to go to hell. Like, can I be honest? I don't want to go to hell. Now, let me just side note for just a moment and talk about hell. One, hell is real. We need to recognize that. It's not just some figment of our imagination or some idea. Jesus talks extensively about it. Even in the text we read, he said that people will not enter the kingdom of God, meaning that there is another place that you will go. Number two, hell is scary. Often in scripture, it makes it clear that it's not a place anyone wants to go. It's often associated with weeping and gnashing of teeth is the language that's used. Weeping in the sense of uncontrollably sobbing and and sorrowful. And gnashing of teeth is this idea of clenched teeth, of pain and regret. So we need to understand that hell is scary. And three, hell is not for you. What I mean by that is from the beginning, hell was never designed by God to be a place for humanity to go to. Hell was a place for Satan and his angels. The scripture makes it extensively clear. Okay, and so we need to understand that when it relates to the idea or the place of hell. But can I tell you that hell is a thing or an idea that will often drive people to Jesus. Because you hear about that, even if you have a a tiny understanding of God and what he's about, you're like, that doesn't sound cool. Now, on the other end of that, not only will the fear of hell lead people to Jesus, but also the excitement of heaven will lead people to Jesus. Because you hear about heaven, and it sounds pretty awesome. Like, there's things like streets of gold. Like, I don't even really understand what that means. It just sounds cool. You know, we, like, try to explain it, but the best way I can understand it is what we use for, or, or excuse me, God uses gold as his asphalt. Right? So, like, he uses it like, no, just pave the roads with it. It's no big deal. Like, what, what, what do you, hey, God, we're building heaven. Um, what should they drive their cars on? You got gold? Let's use gold. And so the thing that people literally kill each other over here on earth, we're driving over in heaven. So, so heaven is good. It also talks about the sea of glass. And I don't know if it's going to be like this, but the surfer in me thinks that there's going to be perfect waves on the sea of glass. And I'm just like, that sounds amazing, the sea of glass. 
Also, the Bible makes it clear that in heaven there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more fear, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more hurt, no more sickness, no more disease, no more brokenness. That all tears would be wiped away and God will restore all things as he designed them to be. And can I tell you that the hope of that reality will lead people to Jesus. The hope, because we come to a point in our life when we see brokenness and pain and disease and sickness and hurt, and we look at that and we cry out for justice. We say there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more than the the pain that we're experiencing. There has to be more than the hurt that we're going through. And so the hope of one day all of that being removed is something that will drive people to Jesus. Both the fear of hell... And the excitement of heaven will lead people to Jesus. I've got one more. You guys still with me? Okay, things that will lead people to Jesus. I'm going to break them down real quick if I can remember them off the top of my head. Number one was success or failure. Number two was regret or religion. Number three was hell or heaven. And number three, or excuse me, number three again. Number four is raised or reached. Raised or reached. It's the final way I want to present reasons people come or become Christians. Some people, many in the room, were raised in Christian homes. And that is the main reason why you have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I have never experienced great success or great failure brokenness. I have never really done that horrible of things and haven't dealt with that much weight of my sin. And I've never been very religious. And maybe the thought of hell or heaven's never really crossed your mind. But the reason that you're here is because, well, my parents are Christians. Now, can I say, first off, you cannot be born a Christian. Say it again. You cannot be born a Christian. You can only be born again. So you can't come out of the womb into a Christian family and be like, you're a Christian. Like, you meet people all the time, and and you'll invite them like, hey, do you want to go to church? And they're like, no, I'm good. I'm Catholic. And you're like, okay. Like it's almost like it's almost like it's like I'm Irish, I'm also Catholic, like it's just I'm born into it. That's just what I am. Christianity, faith in Jesus Christ, cannot be something you're born into through a physical birth. It can only be born into through a spiritual birth, through faith in Jesus. Every individual has to come to their own relationship. With God. That is the promise. A a, a cliche that you've probably heard in church before is that God doesn't have any grandchildren, right? You can't get in because you know a guy or because my dad was a believer. No, you, God only has children when we come to a point where we place faith in Jesus in our, for ourselves. But listen, you can be raised in a Christian upbringing. And listen, that isn't wrong, nor does it make it less real for you. Being raised in a Christian house is awesome. And if you have the benefit of being raised in the, in, in the foundations and, and, and the direction of Jesus, let me tell you, what it does is oftentimes it, it saves you from a lot of wasted time. And so if you're here tonight and you've been raised in a Christian home, don't think that that makes you less of a Christian or you have less of a story. God puts you there for a reason and you've been raised around the things of God. But you have to have your own faith. 
What you'll hear a lot of times, especially to people that have been raised in Christian homes, is the sort of question is, well, if you were raised in a Muslim home, you'd be Muslim. Or if you were raised in a Buddhist home, you'd be Buddhist. And listen, that is why it is so important for all of us to have faith for ourselves. Because it's not just because I was raised in it. I'm blessed because I'm raised in it. But it's not just because I've been raised in it. I have faith for myself. And what oftentimes leads people to relationship with Jesus is they were raised in a Christian family. Now, on the other end of that, so some people are raised. Others of you have been reached by the gospel. What I mean by that is you, weren't, you didn't grow up in a Christian family. You, you didn't go to church every Sunday. That wasn't a priority for your family. But you're here tonight because somebody reached you with the gospel or somebody invited you into the family. Somebody said, hey, do you know I do this thing on Thursday night? I think you would love it. The music is awesome. You have to listen to this weird guy talk for a little while, but afterwards they'll play more music. So come for the music. And, and some of you, you the, what, what brought you here or what brought you to Jesus was because somebody who had experienced the gospel for themselves knew that other people are dying to experience it and they went out of their way to invite you into it. And some people, oftentimes people are, are brought to Jesus because they were reached either by somebody inviting them or because, you, because they saw it in somebody else. I was talking uh, with a friend of mine just recently, and he was saying that, I was asking him a story, he's uh, a, a, an older guy that's a friend of mine, and uh, I asked him, like, what, when did you get saved? Because he was telling me about this accident he got in when he was younger, and he, he almost died, he was in a coma for like a month, and I was like, is that what brought you to Jesus? He's like, actually, no. He's like, what brought me to Jesus is he, saw, he said, I saw this girl with a smile, and he's, what I know now is that she had the joy of the Lord. He's like, at the time, I thought she was on really good drugs, and I just wanted to have the drugs she was on. But what I found out later is that she had Christ in her, and Christ in her led him to Christ. And so some of you, you guys have seen that joy or that experience that other people have, and you're like, I, I just want that. Listen, there's so many roads that will lead you to Jesus. Lots of reasons people come to Jesus. Here is the question. Is there a wrong way to come to Jesus? Does coming one of these ways make it less real than the other? If you're a Christian simply because you were scared of hell, does that make it less real than someone who came because of the brokenness of their sin? Let me put it very plainly. No. It doesn't matter. If you're here tonight and you're like, the only reason I said yes to Jesus is because somebody painted the most scary picture of hell I had ever seen, and I'm like, I don't want to go there, so I need Jesus. Or if you're here tonight because you're like, I hit rock bottom, my life was a mess, I couldn't figure it out, and I needed something more, and so you came to Jesus. Or maybe you're like, I've, I've, I've experienced it all, my life has been good, and I've been successful, or whatever it is, and you're like, it's not enough, I need Jesus. Listen, there is no wrong road that leads you to Jesus. Whatever, whatever route got you to the cross of Christ, it was a good route. Whatever got you there, when you come face to face with Jesus Christ, when you see him and his love for you, no matter how you got there, it's good that you're there. 
doesn't matter how you got there. And I just want to sort of eliminate any thoughts or fears you might have that maybe my salvation isn't real because of the motivation behind me getting saved. It doesn't matter the motivation. If you've said yes to Jesus, if you've placed faith in him, it is a good route to get there. Whatever road leads you to the cross is a good reason. It's what you do when you meet Jesus that matters. Worship team, you guys can come up here. We've got two options as we close. Two options that we have when you come face to face with Jesus, no matter what the road is that gets you there. If the road is success, praise God. If the road is failure, hallelujah. If the road is regret or religion, if it's hell or heaven, if it's you've been reached or you were raised, whatever road got you to the cross, it's a good road. What you do with it matters. Can I draw your attention back to those two stories we read in the beginning? We're told of the guy, the rich young ruler, right? He comes to Jesus. He runs up to him. He's searching. He's seeking for something. He, he wants something more. He gets to Jesus. He bows down before him, and he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you got to keep the commandments. you gotta, you got to got to follow the law perfectly. And I love the guy's response. He goes, yeah, oh, yeah, I do that. Follow the law. Yeah, that's me. I'm perfect all the time. I'm like, whoa, that guy's kind of arrogant, don't you think? He's like, oh, yeah, I, pff, that's nothing. And then Jesus looks at him, and I love it. It says Jesus says he loves him because Jesus knew the guy. He, he knew his heart. He knew what he was experiencing. He knew he was rich. He knew that that was something that was elevated in his life. And so Jesus turned to him. He says, there's one thing that you're missing. You've got to sell everything that you have. You've got to give it to the poor, and you've got to take up your cross and follow me. And we're told that the guy left sad because he had great possession. The reality was he was unwilling to let go in order to follow Jesus. And oftentimes, one of the options you have when, you're, when you meet Jesus is the fear of letting go. What, what does it mean? The fear of letting go. I don't want to let go of this. I don't want to give up this. I love this thing that I get to experience. I love this lifestyle that I get to live, and I don't want to let this go. And the fear of letting go would keep you from saying yes to Jesus. And this guy, one of the only stories in the Gospels where a guy left the presence of Jesus sad. Why? He was afraid to let go. He was unwilling to let go of what he had to embrace what God had. The fear of letting go. The other option, the first story, is faith of a child. Right? I the story, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Have you noticed, like, that usually, like, really fun and cool people, kids want to be around? Really boring people, kids don't want to be around. You know what I mean? Like, the really boring people, like, kids are off doing their own thing. But, like, the fun, exciting, like, kind of quirky and weird but cool people, kids want to be. I love that Jesus is one of those people that kids just wanted to hang out with. And they're hanging out with Jesus. And then Jesus teaches us one of the most profound things about the kingdom of God to an audience of toddlers. He says, unless you come to me with the faith of a child, you can by no means enter the kingdom of God. The faith of a child. Do you know what the faith of a child is? It's not understanding, but still trusting. Yeah. 
Faith of a child is, is I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know it's going to work out. Um, last year, uh, my wife and I went with uh, her sister and their kids uh, on vacation to Barbados. And we, we had this, I, I've never really done vacation before, and it was awesome. It was like the beach and snorkeling and the pool, and like it was just amazing. I, I definitely could get used to that. Um, anyways, we were swimming in uh, this pool, and my niece, her name's Zippy, was two, I think. Hannah, where are you? Two, there you are. Was she two at the time? Two. Yeah, she, she, I think she just turned three. Yeah, she's coming in a couple weeks, which is so exciting. Just zippy. She's coming on a plane by herself. No, I'm just kidding. Her whole family's coming. Anyways, um, so we're, we're swimming in the pool, and she, she's two years old. She can kind of swim, but not really. You know, she, like, gets, they, they taught her to swim young, so she knows, like, if she flops in the pool, it's, like, turn on her back and, like, kick her legs. It's pretty stinking cute, but she can't really swim, swim, you know? Anyways, we're doing this thing where she's, like, jumping off the side of the pool into my hands, and it was a lot of fun. Like, she was jumping, and I was catching her, jumping. And then what she did is she kept, like, climbing higher and higher on these different things and kept jumping into my hands. And I was kind of, like, saying to them, like, she's getting kind of high. I'm, like, a little nervous, like, about this whole situation. And can I tell you, she did not even consider the fact that her life could potentially be in danger. She was 100% confident that when she jumped, I'd catch her. There was, no, there was not even, she would run as fast as she can up onto the deck, as high as she could possibly climb, and then jump up into my hands. And not, never once was there a fear. Never once was there a doubt like, oh, man, maybe he won't catch me and I'll drown. Never once. It was this faith of a child, this trust. I don't need to understand. I'm, like, kind of nervous. Like, oh, no, she, is this okay? Like, this is kind of high. Like, am I doing this all right? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. But she, 100% confident that it was going to work out. That's faith of a child. That's confidence in your Savior. I don't need to understand how. I don't need to know why it works out. I just need to understand that when I say yes to Jesus, he takes care of the rest. I just need to understand that if I come to him with faith of a child, I love that because, one, it speaks of small faith. It speaks of just not a, not a ton. It's like childlike faith. It's just innocent and small but it also speaks of a sort of reckless faith that I don't need to understand, but I'm going to have confidence in my God. I'm going to have confidence in who he is. So listen, whatever road leads you to the cross of Christ, whatever road it is, you have two options. Am I going to be afraid and not let go of what I'm holding on to and miss out on what God has for me? Or am I going to let go and I'm going to embrace Jesus with the faith of a child? And trust that not only is he going to take care of my life here and now, but he's going to take care of my eternity. That we believe that the prayer of a child of God, a prayer of an individual that says yes to Jesus forever, their soul is taken care of by God. He's not going to miss you. And if you've ever wondered once if you're truly saved or maybe because you 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 the reasons or the motivations why you said yes to Jesus, can I tell you that if you've said yes to Jesus, you've done it right. It's faith. It's trusting in who he is.